0: This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, BeGambleAware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday ticket. Now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi guys, it's Trevor Chalaba here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence. Spring is coming and the winds are here again. To talk all things Chelsea Football Club today is somebody who I know quite well and is somebody who told me on Saturday night that he told the BBC where to go when it came to hosting Match of the Day. It's Steve Wicks. My good friend Steve is back on the show. How are we, Steve? Yeah, fine,
1: Keith. Absolutely fine. Very happy with what's happened the last week. Um, you know, whatever we say, and whatever we discuss, the main thing is um, our football club and the supporters. And I'm sure everyone's
0: very happy. I'm extremely happy. I'm more surprised than anything that in three games, we conceded one goal. We scored three goals on Saturday for the first time in God knows how long. And Kovacic scored, which is always a rarity. And we've even got a defender that scores as well. I think something is in the air.
1: Yeah, listen. I agree. Uh, listen, we have said that our strengths have been the two fullbacks, um, and since Chil- Chilwell's come back, he's been absolutely I think he's a great player. How you can pick short over him, I don't know. I think he's an absolute superb player. And, Gareth um, Northgate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think that we've got the two best fullbacks in in the country. Um, And when they're playing and when they're on song, they take some stopping. They're they're not only good at defending, my God, they get forward and cause problems.
0: Well, I'm also going to make a little bit of a change on this show as well, Steve. You'll be pleased to know. The last time I had you on the show, there was a little bit of um, argy-bargy in terms of my views on the manager. But I'm not going to call him Moyes 2.0 this week because... Although my view, my views on him have not changed, I actually got to give him some credit. He's actually stuck in. He's actually changed the formation to actually suit the players rather than himself. And I've been saying it for a while, a back three would suit. It certainly would suit Thiago Silva eventually when he comes back. And we've now got, a couple of defenders in Wesley Fafana, who's now back from injury, playing like a Chelsea player. And my goodness, what's happened to your friend Cinderella? Yeah. But this week we should be calling him Cinderella because he's got two man of the match awards, one against Dortmund. I think someone. One... His... I think
1: someone's found his boot. Well,
0: either off. that or someone's threatened to cut his hair and he's decided no, to play. No. I don't know, but Steve List, (laughs) this is going to be a nice episode today. What we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the three wins in a a week, what it means for us, what it means for Mr. Potter. And I actually think while we're on the subject, he's probably found his magic broom. But more on that in a minute. We're going to preview the Mahusiv game coming up against Everton on Saturday at the Bridge where you might see one or two people representing the Blue Day podcast there. And we're going to talk about certain rumours hitting some players that haven't featured for Chelsea recently. But we'll discuss... We'll talk talk about the good news first, Steve. We'll talk about the three wins in a week. Leeds, I had no hope we were going to get the win, but I was surprised and we got the win, thanks to Wesley Vafana. Dortmund, I went to. And again, I had no hope in hell's chance we was going to uh, progress. We we got through, and I travelled up to Leicester on Saturday, thinking we could actually win this one. I've got you know good feelings about this this game. Leicester on a bit of a bad run at the moment, and I think they can't wait for their season to finish. We're on a little bit of a confidence boost, and we end up winning the game quite comfortably. If, if our strikers knew the offside rule, we would have been more goals ahead. We would have been about five, yeah. six, one in front. But what a difference a week makes! What a difference a win makes!
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Seven days, three wins. Um, I was wasn't very impressed with the to win, but winning was the most important thing. You know, I thought we were. Very ordinary in that game. And then we took on probably the most informed team in Europe at the moment. Um, and bear in mind the result Bayern Munich got, you know, and they're fighting them at the top of the league. You can't under, underestimate what a fantastic victory that was. Also being one nil down from the first leg. But what a victory that was. And um I think once a team who have been under pressure... Wins a game like that, a real pressure game, in the greatest cup competition in the world, I think that gives a real belief. And I think that's what we've needed. And I think when we went to Leicester, you know, we had two goals to Salah, we scored three goals, and the confidence was there there again. And I think that's what happens when you get a massive, massive uh, victory, like we did against Dortmund.
0: Should the praise be shared a- around, Steve, or should there be one entity in particular that should be getting the praise? And I'm referring to either the players if they decided to turn up, or is it down to the coach?
1: Um, I think it's both, Keith, to be honest with you. Listen, a manager or the coach, whatever we want to call him, is only as good as his players. And you, you set them up, you get them ready, out they go, and it's all about their attitude. And... Um, um, both parties that night getting a victory like that you've got to look at the manager who's been under severe pressure um, and it, it was a absolutely brilliant brilliant win um, and it keeps us it gives us interest in the biggest tournament in the world um, and I think it was a fantastic result and I think The belief and the confidence showed after winning that game at Leicester on Saturday. I think we showed we looked you know something? Every good team has a little bit of arrogance. And we looked arrogant and we looked full of it on Saturday and I thought, yeah, great win. And it should have been more
0: Yeah. We'll talk about Leicester in a minute. Obviously the Leeds one was huge because it was a first win in God knows how long. Yes, it was scrappy. There was a lot of tension amongst the stadium, from what people was telling me. Leeds, with all due respect to them, there are they are a poor Leeds side. They're going for a new manager. I don't think he's going to be the guy to keep them up, personally. But I'm I've, I've been wrong before on this show, folks. So probably will be again. But the, the game against Dortmund was huge. The fact that Rhys James and Chilwell was back was massive. And to get the first goal was key. And Sterling, who five seconds before he scored, I was calling him an effing idiot because he miskicked it. But he managed to rifle it in. And it just seemed that the tide was turning a little bit in our favour. And I, yeah, we'll talk about Kai in a minute. But the silky German, certainly not a centre-forward. But to have him, Felix and Sterling as a front three worked. I do also think, Steve, and I wanted to get your views on this, I thought Dortmund underestimated us on last Tuesday. I think they probably thought that we were not the Chelsea of old. They just thought if they can get a goal, they could probably sail through um, and try and play us at their own game. But I thought Dortmund were pretty poor. And In fact, looking back on both games, the first leg and the second leg, I thought we absolutely deserved to go through. Um, We were
1: certainly a better team in the first leg.
0: Yes, uh, yes.
1: Um, And we were unfortunate to lose that game
0: 1-0.
1: But we had that problem that we had at that time, which was not scoring goals. Um, In this game, I thought, to be fair to us, it would have been easy to bottle that game. But we didn't. We, all right, we had a little bit of fortune. But... We deserve to win that game. And I think it was an absolute... You've got to look at the manager. And I've been a critic of him. I've been a little bit bemused, to say the least, on what was happening at my foot. Uh, not my football club. I wish I had enough money to own it, but not my football club. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, It's my... in
0: the blood, Steve. I know what you mean.
1: Um, but I was a little bit disappointed. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and maybe... Just maybe, with all the players that he's been given, with all the players that he's had to look at and try and get a team and build a team, maybe he's got to the place where he wants to be and has got the team that he wants to play. And there's nothing harder, Keith, than being a coach and having so many players and trying to do training things where you're trying to look at players and see if they're good enough. And, um, And I think that, do you know what? He's had a lot of stick. This... One of the worst things I've, I think I've ever heard about his demeanour, that he doesn't show passion, that he doesn't go mad, he doesn't rant, he doesn't do it. Graham Potter is his own man. And if that's what he, how he wants to behave, great. And with all the pressure he was under, I think he showed a lot of decorum in how he behaved and how he took the pressure and didn't change.
0: One of the things that did bug me was... Everybody was on Potter's back. I was certainly one of those that was on Potter's back because I, and again, to be fair, you know, we've got three wins. I still don't think he's the right man for Chelsea. If I'm wrong in, in later down the line, then so be it. But I had no issue with him not being like a Jose and getting sent off or being like a Conte (laughs) or being a jumping bean like Arteta. I had no issues with Potter not being like that. My main concern was the fact that I just thought he looked looked rabbit in the headlights. He just did not look like he knew what he was doing. He looked like he was thrown in the lion's den and just waiting to be chewed up. Now, against Dortmund, fair play. I'll give him credit. He changed the system to a back three, which helped. And someone like Cucurella, who... I although I've criticized him this season I've never criticized how he is as a player because i've I've, I've rated him since he was at Barcelona when he was a, when he was a young guy coming through there is a player there, but the one person that you would expect to maybe get a grip of him and to make him improve like he has improved would be our current manager is he is he going to be worth £62 million in the next three to five years? Who knows? But at the moment, you could probably say no. The last two results and the last two performances, he's been outstanding. He was absolutely... Dortmund, obviously, every everyone can see, but against Leicester in particular, he was all over the shot in a good way. Hassling... Yeah. The Leicester City front three and not giving them any space to do anything with the ball on that left-hand side while Chile was going up and down. It was such a great it was refreshing Steve whereby we was able to know in terms of tactics right back three is going to work when Silver comes back this is going to be even better I think having Fafana back has helped Massively. Um James has obviously picked up the um he was un, he was unavailable against Leicester on Saturday. Thankfully we didn't miss him that much because Loftus cheek came in and I thought he did very well. He's another one who I felt you know, looking long term, I don't think he's gonna have much of a future, but he proved what he can do as a right wing back, although that's not his best position. And we looked menacing and I haven't seen us look like that for months and months. Is it a good time to play Leicester? Yes. Leicester on a terrible run of form. But, and as I said to the people in the pub at Leicester before the game, we need to carry on this momentum. We've beaten Dortmund who were 10 matches unbeaten and that were top of the Bundesliga not so long ago. We Beat Leicester at their own backyard. Let's keep the momentum now. We've got Everton coming up, who, yes, they're going to be fighting for their lives and they're going to have 11 men behind the ball. Let's play the same way. Don't change it. What's the point in changing it? And I want to get your thoughts, Steve, before I move on in terms of the results. Enzo Fernandez. Two games I've seen him up front against Dortmund and against Leicester. 120 million euros. He's not a defensive midfielder, Steve. No, he's not. Because he can't defend.
1: No, he's not. I don't know where that defensive midfield player sort of um, description comes from because he's not that. No. Listen, we've got the best defensive midfield player in the world. We know what it's all about. Well... Maybe not at the moment, but in part... In well, the he part, has
0: been out for two to three years, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's
1: the best defensive mid- midfield player in the world. And there's no way he compares with, with Kante. No way at all. No. no you know, and um, and this is what I'm saying about, we, we've criticised the uh, the management for um, buying players for the sake of buying players and paying exaggerated transfer fees. Um, but how Chelsea describe him as a defensive midfield player is beyond me. And I think it epitomises what's wrong with the club. Um, and the other thing I will say is if you ask any Chelsea player, and we're talking about Cinderella now, you know, he was signed and every Chelsea fan thought he as a left-back with Chilwell. And we know that Chilwell is as good as he gets at left-back. And I think he had a a really sort of uphill thing to prove. You know, he was put on a you know, why have we signed someone for 62 million pounds when we've got Chilwell? And I think he had a big mental thing to get over. Um, and I think it's quite good that he's beginning to play his best football with Chilwell being left back. So he's been uh, he's been looked at and not as a left-back with a against Shearwell, but as, as a left-sided central defender.
0: Which and he I has played might... for at Brighton as well.
1: Yeah. So, so he I does think, know the position. Maybe he feels the pressure's off a little bit and he can ex- express himself. And he's been brilliant. Now, you know, maybe this club is coming together. I still think we've paid way over the odds for the players. But it seems that... Money, you know, I used to think the money didn't matter with Roman, but my God, the money we're spending now—it's like, well, it's just unbelievable. Um, but maybe there's a formula there that, that, that the manager has worked out with all the players he's got, and it's working. And I don't think anyone at Chelsea Football Club, as a fan, should criticise Kai Havertz. I have been one of of his I think that boy is a fantastic footballer and I think he's been asked to play out of position and he's done it without moaning he's played every game He scored some very important goals and Chelsea fans please don't forget the Champions League Cup final He, he it's obvious he doesn't want to play there he wants to be a 10 but you know what he plays there every week he doesn't moan. He doesn't throw his toys out the pram. And that goal on Saturday was absolute class. Absolute class.
0: It was a stunning goal, and against against Leicester, the the horrible part is, and this is what's wrong with football nowadays. The, I was in the away. I was in the away end. Half of the fans were going into the concourse to get their pints. The other half that were watching the game didn't celebrate the goal because of two reasons. One, it, we thought it was offside. Two, VAR we thought was going to intervene because we thought he was offside. When the referee gave the goal, then we started cheering, yeah. which was about a full minute after the, the goal actually scored. Leicester City players assumed it was offside because they didn't um they 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 didn't move they didn't move they didn't you know go up to the referee or the linesman to say that he was offside and our players didn't really celebrate either because again all of them thought it was offside it was it was a remarkable turn of events but that period in that particular game against Leicester we we go 1-0 up, we have great chances to double our lead. Felix hit the post. I still I still can't get to this day how he missed that and how he hit the post. But then Leicester come back and they equalise and it's a for me it was a crap goal to concede, and it just felt oh here we go again, this is what's always been happening. But we actually showed some bottles, Steve. We actually showed some old school Chelsea
1: that that to me was a turning point in this whole season was the fact that when they equalized to make it 1-1 i felt to myself oh shit but the response to that the response as a football team together was was brilliant was brilliant they played they went on they had the belief and they went on and they won the game and they won it at a canter in the end um and that's what rebuilding belief all of a sudden the belief comes back and belief you know is Terry Venables once said to me what makes a world class player and I I said well well, it's got to be his ability it must be he went out of 100% what makes a world class player and I said 80% he went no 40% a great player and 60% mental strength. Mental strength. Because without the mental strength, you'll never be a world-class player. And you know what? It is true. And what happened to Chelsea, with that belief after beating Dortmund, with that belief after beating Le- that little bit of confidence that was floating around, oh it! We we're not going to you know, capitulate here and lose this game. We're going to win this game. And they went on and they were brilliant.
0: They, they, they were great.
1: But remember, it was Leicester.
0: Yes, a... of course. However, you can only beat what's in front of you. No, you and the fact that we haven't won away since October in, in the league against uh, Palace, I I believe, I might be wrong, but um, someone will probably clarify that for me. But we haven't had a really great away record in, in the league or in general, to be honest with you. But one positive, and again, that I will give Mr. Potter credit for, Conor Gallagher coming on against Leicester, for me, changed the game. He was outstanding on Saturday. And even when he came on against Dortmund, he showed a little bit of fire in him, showed a little bit of fire in, in centre midfield. He's obviously in his head thinking he needs to perform consistently because otherwise he would may be maybe shown the door. And I think that Conor's looked at that situation and gone... I don't want to leave this club. I've got a chance to be the homegrown Chelsea icon I can be. He wants to stay. And you can see from his performances, he wants to stay. For me, him coming on changed the game. Leicester going down to 10 men, of course, helped him. But by that time, the game was done. Kovacic scoring the third. And even that was a... um, a mind-boggling situation because that was then reviewed by VAR. Why, I don't know. Um, but, you know, listen, you can only beat what's in front of you and we've done that well. We've beaten Leeds, who are on a, a horrible run at the moment, but bear in mind they did batter us early in the season. And we've beaten now Leicester away, which, you know, again, they've struggled at the moment. Madison Barnes are not performing any well. Jamie Vardy got a lot of stick from us, which was quite funny to hear on Saturday. So, you know, listen, we're going to take as much positives as we can because we haven't had many positives to shout about this season. Um, well,
1: usage coming on back.
0: That I was a little bit surprised about, and and the reason why I say that, I he, he he's come on the pitch and. Somebody who I was standing next to, a gentleman by the name of Tim, we both said he hasn't got pace. He's lost his pace. And he seems like he's concerned or he's worried about picking up another injury because he is not somebody who is going to beat you 1v1 anymore. Yeah. Now, what can he bring to the table between now and the end of the season? I don't know. Is he going to be one that Potter may look at and go, "We we should cash in on him." But again, we're happy to got to have got the win, and the best part is when when I came back on Saturday, Steve, I didn't <coughs> need to hear any pundits drivel on about it on the Saturday night. Just saw the goals, and then that was it. Move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was the quickest match of the day I've ever seen. But, uh, <laughs> but no, listen, let's go back to, to Connor. Um, there's been a lot of Chelsea fans that have been giving him abuse on social media. And I find that hard to believe because the one thing I had when I was a young kid coming through, because I was homegrown, I had the backing of everyone. And this boy's a player. This boy can play. And I think... We've got Chelsea fans have got to take responsibility and not destroy a player, but actually help him and help him when he needs us most. Um, and I think the way he plays, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's only going to try and give 100% and do his best. His best might n- not be good enough at times, but you know something? It doesn't help if people start having a go at him. He. He could be a very important part of this squad Uh, and indeed the team because the boy's talented. And you have lots of players that can carry the piano and carry it well. And you have certain players that can play the piano. Connor will carry that piano and work his socks off and be, I think, a very, very, very good adi- you know, addition and player to, to this squad, you know. And I think it's when people think he can play the piano, if you know what I mean. Um, he's not that type of player. He will give everything. He does the nasty bits, and I think he's a very important part of our squad.
0: Well, speaking of players that could be part of our squad and could not be. We're not going to talk too much about the rumours of Gary... Uh, Gary. I've got Gary name in my head. About Ben Shilwell potentially moving to Manchester City. We're going to s- scrub that off our list because we're hoping that's going to be a non-starter and a nontical rumour. But these rumours, Steve, of a certain Mason Mount. Yeah. Now, him and his agent are not going to come out and say what their plans are. The club are not going to come out mid-season and say what their plans are for Mason Mount. So at the moment, we're just biding the time until the summer comes and then finding out who's going to fold and who's going to show us their cards. But it does seem that whether or not Mason has asked for more money, again, we don't know whether Chelsea has... You know, perhaps gone back on certain terms on their, on their contract offer for Mason. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any breakthrough in contract talks with Mason. Should Chelsea fans look at the situation and think, hmm, Mason might not be with us this time next year? Or should we again look at it realistically and think, okay, he's got over a year left on his contract. There is theoretically no rush to sign it. And in the modern day football now, what are contracts anyway? They're not really that significant in the grand scheme of things. It's, for example, and part, not Chelsea related, but Jordan Pickford signed a new deal a couple of weeks ago. Well, already he's still being linked with a move away. So what All clubs
1: do, Keith. If they give a player a contract, he signs them.
0: They're securing their transfer fee. That's what they Yeah, doing. so in, in, in regards to Mason, me personally, if he is to leave, then fine. There will be Chelsea Football Club before Mason Mount. There's going to be a Chelsea Football Club after Mason Mount. I wouldn't say this is a situation where people are a little bit worried, such as when... Uh, Frank Lampard left or John Terry left or even someone partly in their prime although you don't look it now based on his weight Eden Hazard this is a little bit different and it wouldn't surprise me if he left Steve and it wouldn't I don't necessarily think it would change the team's course on where they're going to go so much if Mason was to leave what are your thoughts on this Steve because there's rumors about he wanting over £200,000 a week. There's rumours about he wants the same money as Reese James. He wants more money than Pierre Keith, Aubameyang. Yeah. Keith, Keith.
1: You've got a player that's been, I think, player of the year a couple of times, and he has been outstanding. And if Reese James got paid more money than me and I was Mason Mount, I'd be majorly pissed off. Majorly pissed off. And if Sterling supposedly gets £200,000 a week more than him, I'd be majorly pissed off with what I've done and how I've played for the club over a period of time. I think the thing with Mason, I think for them to give Rhys James a contract of the amount that is supposedly given to him and not to offer offer Mason that same contract, I think is absolutely absurd. I think he has been absolutely over the last, forget this season, but going back and the end of the, for a couple of seasons, he has been Chelsea's, one of Chelsea's best players. And I think, reading between the lines, if my mate, he plays in the same England squad as me, has been offered a new contract and gets X amount of thousands of pounds more than me, and and also a, teammate of mine in the England squad is getting £200,000 more than me, I think I'd be a little bit pissed off. Right. And I think he's got every right to look at it and say, actually, what have I done wrong where I'm not being treated with the respect I deserve? And I, I would, if I was Mason, I'd be, I'd feel exactly the same as him. And I know for a fact that a couple of the biggest clubs in the country want to sign him, So he can't be that bad, can he? No. And then you've got um, the
0: added incentive of clubs signing in because of the English quota for European competitions. And also,
1: he's been in the England squad. He's done well for England. He's done well for Chelsea. He's a model professional, a model professional footballer. You never hear about Mason in the papers. You never... No. He's a model professional footballer. And I think he
0: deserves better to be honest, very I think mind. he deserves better from the Chelsea f- fans or s- alleged Chelsea fans that seem to knock him on social media yeah and I think he, he, deserves- he deserves better from management in yeah. terms of stick to a position where you're going to get the best out of mason. He's not a winger no he's not
1: he's not, you know,
0: and I think he needs a little bit more respect from. Todd and his band of Merry Misfits because of the fact that again you give Sterling a hell of a lot of money which I don't think you're going to get back in in profit I don't again Aubameyang him and his agent must be the smartest people in football because that guy is getting minted by doing fuck all
1: Keith let me ask you a question by all means, Steve, go ahead. Right. Is a Bamiyan worth hundred thousand pounds No, he's or
0: not even worth 200 quid. No. The Mason Mount. No.
1: You know, that, that's what you're talking about. And it's almost, if I was Mason, I'd have been left behind. Hold it a minute. But you know something? When, a new, when new people take over the club, what you've done in the past means nothing. It's all about when they take over and the future. And they're not looking at what Mason Mount, how he's behaved, how he's played. To me, it's just, I find it just absolutely absurd. Because I would want to keep players like him at my football club. Good, honest, hard-working professional footballers. I'd love to have him. At Bamiang, we, we spoke about it. And I'd love you to go back now and tell what I said when we signed in. I knew this would happen. I knew it. Mm. It was his last payday. Mm. He knows his career is coming to an end. Tuchel signed in. Tuchel went. Recipe for disaster. And our club is paying fortunes for an absolute Herbert.
0: I love that term, Herbert. I love it. (laughs) It Yeah. It's
1: true. They've been taken to the cleaners, as you said, by him and his agent. He's earning fortunes, doing absolutely sweet FA for our football club. And I get him out with his gold shoes and his gold Porsche. I get him out as quickly as possible. Absolute
0: disgraceful professional footballer. But then he's not at liberty to leave because... He's under contract. He is under a decent contract. He's probably going to get more money if he leaves in the summer than what he would do now. And again, we've, not saying we were desperate because Tuka wanted him, but, and again, you don't know what would have happened if Tuca was still there. He may have got a tune out of a Bamiang, but uh, yeah, that's probably one the, of the worst transfer dealings we've done in the last I, I heard 20 the, years.
1: The person he phoned up to, to ask about Chelsea was Winston Bogart. <laughs>
0: He's probably got his seat in the uh, changing rooms. We'll see. But uh, St- Steve, with every month it seems that he's passing by and there doesn't seem to be any breakthrough allegedly in contract negotiations with Mason, do you suspect that he will go in the summer? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because if I was him, do you know what I'd feel? I feel not wanted. I feel the club that I love and I've been I've, as a kid doesn't want me anymore. Right. And I'd go. And I'll tell you what, I bet a Liverpool comes in for him. I bet a Man City comes in for him. I bet one of the top clubs want to buy him. And... Well,
0: it's no, it's no exaggeration that, as you said, the big clubs are going to look at him. There's even talk of Arsenal looking at him. There's talk of yeah. Man United looking at him.
1: He's perfect for Arsenal, isn't he? My perfect. goodness,
0: there's no surprise that these clubs are linked with him. I mean, there was talk of Newcastle, but I mean, come on, jeez, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, if he's got any choice of club, like you said, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, Mason's going to be quids in, and he will probably get the contract that he wants. And no, he also and, and what the that he deserves.
1: He's worked hard for this contract, and he has been the ultimate professional footballer, and. He deserves it. That's what I find really sad about this whole thing, is that he deserves it. And people that love Chelsea Football Club and have seen him playing over the last three, four years know that he deserves it. And that's the difference. That's the difference.
0: Well, if he does leave, he'll probably be one of many that will leave in the summer. And what we're going to do later on, uh, as the season concludes, is we're going to make a list of certain players that we feel that will leave. And then we will all come back in September the 1st once the transfer window has finished. And we will look at that list and see which players we were right about leaving and who was not. But, Steve, before we wrap the show up, we would like to preview the upcoming game. And it is a big, this is a big game against Everton. At Stanford Bridge, That's Saturday half five kickoff. If you're living in the UK, it's on. Um, I believe it's on Sky. A huge game. Everton, obviously, fighting for their Premier League survival, but obviously, we want to fight for to maintain our reputation and not have our pants pulled down again. Huge game. Are you expecting a tight affair again or are you expecting something that we don't often see at the bridge? That's goals, goals, goals. I think
1: if Chelsea score early and entice Everton out, I think it could be a 3-0 3 win for Chelsea. I, I, I think if Everton score first, what Sean does is he can close up shop quite well. He we did it on Saturday when they went one up after about 90 seconds. Um, and they become very hard to beat. But if we score first and we entice them to try and get a goal, I think we could uh, fill our boots at the other end. And I think we will win. I think we win and we win well. Because um, Everton, I, I hope they survive because they are one of you know, the Premier League clubs that have been there, they've never had relegation. And they're one of the, put it this way, if Everson get relegated, they the Premier League becomes a lot wor- worse than what it it is. It's, it's, mm. it's a great club. Um, but I think if we score first, entice them out where they've got to go and get a goal, I think uh, we can win the game and win it well. On the other hand, if they score first, It'll be a hard,
0: hard afternoon. It'll be interesting what he does in terms of team selection. Will Mount be back? Will Reese be back? Will Kante be back? I mean, Christ, I think that'll probably be the biggest cheer at the bridge if um, Lee Parker announces N'Golo Kante starting. But uh, Everton are not one to score many goals. No um it was obviously they're going to be quite tight they probably will be defensive and they're probably going to try and uh, break play up and try to wind the clock down so chelsea fans probably expect a few boos when you see the goalkeeper have the have the ball for the next 30 to 40 seconds each time yeah um i'm not expecting a win because i know what this chelsea is like but i'm hopeful because I believe that we've got the co- we've got some confidence back, we've got a little bit of mojo back, yeah, and I think the support from the bridge from Tuesday as well as Saturday I think would be significant, and I think now, because of we're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, that the hope is back. The hope is back that this season may well just have a nice, happy ending we'll We'll see, but it's it'll be great for us to win win the game because it might put us in the Europa Conference League places, which is exactly what Chelsea Football Club need. So are you having a giraffe? We do not need the European
1: Conference thing. We do not need that whatsoever. I know it makes a full house and we've won every trophy, but we do not need that whatsoever. That is a Mickey Mouse tournament that, honestly, in the world football... West Ham are in it.
0: Eh? West Ham are in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they beat... They've had a nightmare and they've gone to Cyprus and beaten the team in Cyprus. You know, we've just beaten one of the best teams in Germany. And what we've got to do is keep our standards high. And and we don't want that type of European football at Stamford Bridge. You know, we've been used to the best. Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG. We've had all those at Stamford Bridge. And what we've got to do is just keep winning. Keep winning. And
0: see what happens. See, Steve, you're, miss, you're missing the point. I think it'll be no, great I'm, to it'll be great to have away games in Gibraltar and Azerbaijan yeah. and Ireland. Uh, come on, Steve. I mean, even I mean, even you and me can do the European away days on that front. You know, nothing wrong no, right going to he, Norway in December.
1: Azerbaijan in December? No, not for me. I, I I think we're 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 better than that, and I think that. Um, You know, I'd rather, actually, if it came to the crunch, not qualify for Europe in the, whatever you call it, the Mickey Mouse Cup. No, I never Uh, called it that. No, but I did. Um, (laughs) But I think if we start to rebuild our club and next year go for it, I'd rather do that because then we won't have silly games in midweek. We can concentrate on the league and get our our place back where we belong
0: in the top four. I think the Europa Conference League would be one of the best things that could happen to Mr. Potter. Oh, my good God. I honestly, we, we ain't getting, unless we win the Champions League, we ain't getting Champions League football. I don't even think we're going to get Europa League football at this rate. Okay. It's, either, it's either Europa Conference League or no European football. There's nothing, listen, Steve, we can do it on your private jet and, you know, my contacts. We'll be, we'll be fine. We please, you know, we please. could go to Azerbaijan. We could go, Ireland, I we could go to Ireland. We could go to Sweden.
1: Um, what I'd say is the fact that, that if Chelsea got into that, they'd win it. They'd win it. Exactly. Yes, yeah. But why would you go in a competition that you know you're going to win from the first kickoff? We need to get ourselves back into that top four. And that should be the main... And if it means not playing in Europe and concentrating on the league and getting things done properly next year, that's what we gotta do. That's what we gotta do. And then celebrate wherever we finish in the league.
0: Seventh again. No.
1: I don't <laughs> think it will be. I I, I think that the signs are, are are good. And I think that that um you know, if we get ourselves right and sort our team out and use this last few, ga- the few games of this season to get our best team and get our best players, you know, it's like, I really believe that we can get in the top four next year. I really do. Um, you know, Fafana, to me, looks as if he's had lessons of Thiago Silva. He looks a much better player. And he looks a bit Thiago Silverish in the way he's, play, he's playing at the moment, and I think that you're looking at players, and all of a sudden, players that we've signed for exorbitant amount of money are looking the part. And I'm looking at this to is the start of building something special, building something special. And there was a big article, there's a big thing on Talk Sport about Graham Potter.
0: No, let's and they were
1: saying, that. is he one of the top managers? Is he an elite manager? He's not. And the big problem that we have at Chelsea is this is the first time in I don't know how many years we haven't got an elite manager. We haven't. No matter what way we look at it, we haven't. So whatever he achieves, He's building his, if he wants to become an elite manager, he's got to win Champions League, he's got to win, qualify for Europe, he's got to do all different types of things. But the one big difference, and it was said on Talk Sport the other day, that the one thing Chelsea haven't got is an elite manager. And every other club that's fighting for the top four have an elite manager. What elite means, I don't know, but I understand what they're saying.
0: Well, I understand what they're saying um, I wouldn't necessarily put Eddie Howe as an elite manager, but will be that as it may i I, I get your point um, but again, we're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, we could be the only English representation left in the competition after this week wouldn't that be a little bit of a turn up so
1: it certainly would
0: i'm I'm not advocating that I'm potter not by any means. I still think Potter's got a lot to do and I think he's got a lot to earn my respect in terms of him being a a long-term Chelsea manager. But let's enjoy this week. Let's see what Liverpool can try and do against Real Madrid. I can't see them getting back from it. And surely we're RB Leipzig supporters against Manchester City, Steve. I I can't imagine... Any Chelsea fan would want the Manx to go through to the quarterfinals again. It could be a nice little uh, turn up to play RB Leipzig and a, a certain Timo Werner in the in the Champions League. Wouldn't that be something? But
1: I bet he scores. I bet he scores. I bet he scores a hat trick. I bet he, yeah, uh, I will uh, play against him for all the team in China because something's going to change. Um, but you know me, I'm a very much an Englishman. Um, and I I don't want English teams to get knocked out of the Champions League. I want an English team to win the Champions League. Hopefully, Chelsea. I think the you way never we're
0: know. going,
1: we could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you know what you're talking? What are you talking about? Two, uh, four games now. And if you've beaten them, there's not a lot to fear. Dortmund are probably seeded fourth in the Champions yeah. League.
0: Well, it also depends on who we're playing. I mean, if you look at, just quickly, the teams that are left in the competition. Napoli, I don't really want, because they are, no, bloody, excited, they are the bloody decent. AC Milan, I wouldn't mind again. I'll take them. Inter Milan or Porto, I, I wouldn't them. mind. Benfica, I wouldn't mind, although they score goals at a canter. Stop. Bayern, No. You and I actually differed on this, Steve, when we, when we spoke about this. I would actually go for Real Madrid. Because I, I think Real Madrid are beatable.
1: They certainly didn't look beatable at Anfield the other night. And that's as, good, that's as hard as it gets away from home. And especially being 2-0 down. To get back and win that game after being 2-0 down at Anfield No matter what Liverpool's current form is, that is one hell of a feat, by the way. Because Knights at Anfield, European Knights, are something else. And you're playing against 13 players up there.
0: But then they haven't come across Cucurella on form yet, Steve. No, I know. (laughs)
1: Listen, this, this is... Listen, the one thing... We won, and I still... Think this is one of the biggest unbelievable facts in European football and you'll know I'm going to say
0: I know what you're going to say I our leading say. goal
1: scorer had nine goals and if we can win the Champions League with our leading goal scorer having nine goals a season who knows what's going to happen maybe we'll win it with our leading goal scorer having seven goals
0: who knows Mason Mount might score the winning penalty or might actually uh, save a penalty. Who knows? But we're going to enjoy this week, Steve. I'm hoping I'm going to enjoy Saturday even more, more on that on next week's show. We're going to have a, a huge review, hopefully of the Chelsea Everton game hour by hour detailed, Analysis of Chelsea versus Everton. Don't you worry about that. More on why I mentioned in that uh, next week. But we will soon be announcing this month's player guest on the show. We're going to be doing a few announcements shortly in terms of what's coming up on the show. We've also got a couple of things planned in terms of player interviews and certain coverage that we're going to do. We've also got a couple of shirts on sale as well. If you do fancy a little bit of Chelsea retro, find us on our Facebook page at The Blue Day Podcast. All the information will be up on there. If you are a fan of Chelsea Football Club and you are keen on watching Chelsea's amputee team, we are also got all the information on there on our Facebook page. Find us on Twitter at The Blue Day Pod where you will find... Uncensored coverage through us on there And we're also on Instagram At the Blue Day Podcast Where you will find my videos Of the away games And the game against Dortmund All videos All all photos on there as well All uncensored All unfiltered For your enjoyment We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode I have been Keith Lawrence He's been Steve Wiggs Keep the blue flag flying, folks. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network.